Most, if not all, brands strive to make a difference in the world. For some businesses, it's at the very core of their operations. And that's the case for St. Javelin, a brand that donates its profits to support Ukraine in its fight against Russia. Our guest today is Christian Boris, the founder of St. Javelin, a remarkable social enterprise with a mission that goes far beyond business as usual. Hi, Christian. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So to start off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about St. Javelin? Yes. So uh, St. Javelin basically is a meme that started around 2018. It's based on a, on a work of art from uh, an American artist named Chris Shaw. And the reason it became popular is 2018 is when Ukraine started asking for a system called the Javelin, which is an anti-tank guided missile system, because they knew that if the Russians ever invaded en masse, like they did in 2022, they would need a weapon system like the Javelin. So it was a very, very niche meme. The types of people who understood what it was back then were journalists and analysts, people who basically lived and breathed the war that Russia started in 2014. I knew about it because I I was a journalist. So for me, it was it was something that I knew about from 2018. And then in 2022, when I was no longer working as a journalist, I understood what was about to happen because I was in touch with colleagues from before. And obviously I was reading the news. And and when the Americans started saying that, you know, they knew definitively that the Russians were going to to launch the full-scale invasion. February 16th is when I started St. Javelin. So I took that meme and I just basically created a, a Shopify store and I posted it on Instagram and I said, if anybody wants to buy this, it's 10 bucks. And then I'll donate the money to a Canadian charity called Help Us Help. And originally the intention was to donate the money to kids who had lost their parents since 2014. And then very quickly as the war began, Emphasis shifted on donating the money to victims of violence. By the second week of March, we were we were able to donate $500,000 already. Oh, wow. That's impressive. Do you remember how big the donations are this far? Now it's, it's over $2 million US. Mm-hmm. So it's gone to, um, originally it was Help Us Help. And then we started to actually work with uh, different ministries in Ukraine. And we started to work with organizations on the ground in Ukraine, as well as some large organizations outside of Ukraine. We've donated money for everything from IFACs, which are basically first aid kits that soldiers use, to bulletproof vests, helmets. We've bought trucks, like pickup trucks. We've participated in a campaign for drones with United24, which is President Zelensky's initiative. We've supported journalists. So we've given over $50,000 to organizations that work with Ukrainian journalists to help them basically learn how to operate in that environment on the front lines to help them buy bulletproof vests, helmets, stuff like that. Yeah, we've done a lot of a lot of different things. I can only say thank you for that. Uh, we're actually based in uh, our main offices in Latvia, so uh, we're pretty close to the whole thing. Um, how big is the Saint Javelin team now? I assume when you started out, it was just you, and how how big have you grown now? Yeah, when I started, it was it like I started it from my phone, but very quickly there was a lot of people who wanted to volunteer and 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 do whatever they could. So we had a, a WhatsApp group chat from the very beginning, and there was just probably. 20 or 30 people in that group that would uh, do whatever they could. So whether it was like packing envelopes, because originally it was just the sticker. And then people started asking for things like patches for t-shirts. And we had to figure out how to make all those things. 
and we had to do it at, at an extremely large scale very quickly. So there was no time to try to do it ourselves, basically. The team evolved. So it went from volunteers to full-time staff. Highest number we had about 15 people between full-time and, and contractors. And uh, you mentioned that you had to figure out really quickly how to get those products out there. So how did you go about it? How did you start with the stickers and how did you move on from there? Yeah, so that's where you guys come into the picture. <laughs> Originally, when people started asking for things like t-shirts and patches, we did that ourselves. But the scale became so big that it was really, really impossible to handle it all, all ourselves because we shipped orders to over 100 countries. I think it's like 117 countries around the world. Originally, we would make the products in Toronto and then ship them out. But I think by the 10th day or something, it, it was like, there's no way we can continue with this. So that's when we found Printful. And basically... Printful allowed us to take all these ideas that our audience was sending our way and make them available, you know, within a couple hours. For example, we started with the St. Javelin, but then our audience, like customers from other countries would say, hey, I want a figure, an icon, a design that represents what my country's contribution to Ukraine has been. So the second design that we did was St. Enlaw. It basically reflected the Brits giving uh, Enlaws to Ukraine, which is a similar system to, to the Javelin. And then our German audience said, hey, we want something and our Swedish audience and, and so on and so forth. And then we essentially built a collection of these different saints. And, and then because of Printful, we were able to offer them as everything from uh, T-shirts and stickers to mugs and hats and, and, and all that sort of stuff. And all we were really doing was was giving the audience what they were what they were asking for in the in the very beginning. As I understand, the whole production process has evolved even more now because I noticed that you on your site you also say that you have uh, things that are actually produced in Ukraine as well, not just print on demand production, right? Yeah. So it started February sixteenth, and then by April last year, I went to Kiev and I started to figure out how do we actually make these things in Ukraine ourselves. So that's been the biggest learning curve because it's extremely hard to make clothing right now in Ukraine to ship it out and all that sort of stuff to the audience that we have because so many of our customers are around the world. So just figuring out things like duties and, and, and all that's very difficult, but we've been able to do it. And we've dropped two or three collections at this point that have been primarily made in Ukraine. So we had a large one over the summer called Crimea Beach Party. And all of those products were made in Ukraine, except for swim shorts, which we used Printful for. But that was a really successful drop because of the way that people responded to it. We got customers from around the world. We got a lot of people who appreciated what we were trying to do with that campaign because it wasn't just a clothing campaign. It was kind of like a, it was a message that Crimea is Ukraine and we wanted people to actually wear this around and like see people at airports and be wearing the pin or be wearing the shirt or, or whatever. There was a lot of diplomats that that wore that one as well. And uh, that was that was our most successful made in Ukraine drop. And then right now, what we've been working on is is a winter drop. So that's going to be the biggest one that we've done so far. And it's basically going to show the evolution of what we've been doing. So from a company that really had no idea how to like make a t-shirt to now we've actually created. So I'm wearing this fleece that was made in Ukraine and we're just evolving into better and better products. 
that's a huge goal of ours to actually be a brand like Fial Raven or, or Patagonia that makes its own products. When you started, did you have any inkling of how big this is going to get? No, no, no. I had zero idea. I remember I printed a hundred stickers to start off with and I brought them home and my fiance said, like, what the hell are we going to do with, with all these stickers? Two days later, I had to order another thousand stickers. Oh, wow. And that's when, you know, the idea of like, there's no way that we can handle all of this demand started to come into into the equation. And we started to look at different options for actually scaling it up. How did it get so big? Was it just word of mouth or did you consciously do some marketing or how did it evolve so fast? I think before I even started the sticker, I was posting on my Instagram, on my Twitter, just explaining from my perspective as a former journalist what I was seeing because there was a lot of Russian propaganda that was essentially saying that the Ukrainians were starting this, that the Ukrainians were provoking the war and and all this kind of stuff. So I was very bluntly and with some humor explaining what I was seeing. So people started to, I don't know, I guess they hadn't really seen that kind of perspective before. So our social media started to get really popular. And right now we have probably close to half a million followers across different channels. So it got really popular just because people, I guess people hadn't seen something like that before. And they wanted to actually not just donate, but actually like wear and show their support for Ukraine. People were buying stickers so that they could put on their car. They were buying flags so that they could put outside their house. They were wearing t-shirts so, you know, when they go out, they could show people who they support, right? It was organic, but then we also were able to do things like we made a huge mural in Kyiv, which generated a a ton of attention, rightly or wrongly. It became kind of like a a national conversation on on St. Javelin. People were either very for it or very against it, and they thought it was mocking religion, which was never our intention, but it's still there and people still take pictures with it. And then I think probably the biggest moment was the Minister of Defense, Alexei Reznikov. I was able to give him a t-shirt when I was in Kiev in in April last year, and he gave a t-shirt to the president. There was a moment where the president's TikTok account posted the video of him receiving the t-shirt, and then it just kind of took on a whole new level after that. This is going to be a very business-like question for such a important topic, but how did you pick your product? You mentioned that some of it was just the community saying what they wanted, but was there also something else? How did you choose what products, what designs? The designs we came up with, for the most part, there was certainly people who submitted designs probably until maybe six months in. It was it was just as simple as we would put up a poll on Instagram and just ask our audience like what do you what do you want us to do for you guys right it was really cool that way because it we were just put able to put up whatever they wanted so if people said you know we want um hoodies it was like next day we could have hoodies up yeah honestly there wasn't a lot of uh, of thinking fr- from our side it was just what does our audience want and let's give that to them and people would submit their designs and sometimes the designs were great and we put them up right away. And then sometimes <laughs> we just decided that they weren't a fit for us. So we didn't put them up. And then and then I think last summer is probably when we started to think about, okay, so what do we want this to look like down the line? And what kinds of designs do we want to put out there and stuff like that? So it was a pretty quick evolution. It sounds like it. Is it uh, still exciting for you to think about new designs or do you feel like, oh... Yes, for sure it is. But it's it's different now because it's like this fleece 
doesn't rely on on a meme design or any kind of like intricate, you know, elaborate, crazy out there design. It's 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 about the quality of the of the clothing. So that's what I want to get to. Instead of constantly thinking about new designs, it's it's about like how do we actually make timeless classic clothing. But it's fun. You know, sometimes for winter, for example, or for this last collection that we just did with Printful, which was the soup centric collection. So that was based off of a joke. In an article, the Americans were training Ukrainian troops on the Patriot missile defense system. And they basically said, we ran out of soup because these people, they just eat soup all the time. (laughs) They call them soup centric. So we ran a whole collection based on that idea. And it was fun because we just asked a few designers in Ukraine and and in Canada to submit designs to us. And and we were able to put those up like super quickly and the audience liked them a lot. So we're doing another Christmas drop because we had a really successful Christmas drop last year. So it's it's still really fun to to come up with those campaigns, too. Is it uh, difficult to find the funny parts when it's such a serious topic and such a tragedy for a whole country? Yeah, it's uh it's really difficult, especially because it's it's over 600 days now. So, originally Ukraine was on the defensive, the Russians were were attacking and Ukraine militarily had the advantage because it's it's harder to attack than it is to defend. And Ukraine was, you know, for lack of a better term, kicking ass and it was uh people's morale were, was was very high. And now it's you know, it's it's fatigue. The reality of over 600 days makes it really hard to come up with what kinds of designs are you going to be working on? What kinds of designs do people want to see from us? I think that we were more strategic and we're more maybe patient is a good way to put it in terms of what we come out with. So yeah, it's, it's certainly more difficult now. Do you also feel the fatigue in the community that uh, has gathered around St. Javelin? I think anybody who has been working to support Ukrainian troops and from the beginning is feels fatigue. But um, I kind of try to put it in context of like, okay, well, if you're tired, imagine what you know, people who are actually serving feel like, right? So of course. I see a drop in, I think every organization sees a drop in in numbers. Uh, certainly charities see a drop in donations and stuff like that. I see a drop in, in the media cycle for sure. Obviously with what's happening in the Middle East, the attention has has gone away and it's just a natural part, right? People don't stay focused on one thing forever. So there's a few different things that we're battling, but I think we do an excellent job of keeping people's attention on a daily basis. I know that we continue to find ways to keep people engaged. So how do you do that? Is it giving more information? Obviously, releasing new products is one way to do it, but what what else do you do? I think we take a a unique approach, for example, with the Crimea Beach Party collection. So, So yes, we do post every day across our social channels. But the reality is people can get that information on a whole variety of Instagram channels, Twitter accounts, stuff like that. I think that what St. Javelin has been really good at doing is bringing people together through unique campaigns. For example, an early version of that would have been the mural because people started talking about St. Javelin Associated Press was taking photos. There was there was photos of that mural everywhere around the world because it was so it was a giant mural on the side of a building, right? And I think Crimea Beach Party, as much as it was clothing, it was a message. And I think people really responded to that because it wasn't just about war. It was it was basically like 
hey, this is someone's homeland and they want to go home. It's not just a piece of land. It represents stories and family and all that kind of stuff. And so I think that we're able to take a unique approach that way instead of just uh, instead of just posting hard news every day. We we make more meaningful, longer thought out campaigns now. Obviously, one of the benefits of saying javelin for the Ukrainian people is uh, it's, it's the money that they get from from the proceeds. But uh, what else is there? What Why else do something like that? Why else build an online store around the cause? What, what were the reasons for you? Well, for me, it was uh, when I started it, the image that kind of went through my head was in 2015, I spent a week at a uh, at a retreat for women and children who had lost their fathers since 2014. So that was in Western Ukraine in the mountains. And there was, there was just some people that I met there who really had an impact on me. And when I started it, I just kept on thinking about those people and the things that they went through and the fact that the war had you know it it had its its violent stage that the media picks up and everybody talks about but then when that's over there's cleaning up to do and there's lives that have to be lived and everybody kind of forgets about that part so when i started it the reason why i wanted to donate to those kids is because those kids after their father or mother is killed they're basically left alone right and they have very little resources and and stuff like that so For me, it was how do we help those people? And hopefully, if we build something that is sustainable long term, it can continue to help those people while all of the attention eventually drifts away, right? Because we like we see the steady decline in the media attention. But if we build something that is self-sustaining, then then it can continue to help people like that for for hopefully, you know, hopefully decades. We'll see what we can do, but. Yeah, I think um I think that that would be the lasting benefit. Do you have any very memorable moments since you founded uh, St. Javelin either a pinch me moment or something that you didn't expect will happen? Meeting the Minister of Defense, giving him a t-shirt. Uh I brought an extra t-shirt for the president. So basically when that happened, they asked me the night before if I could come the next day, so I had to have a, a t-shirt printed in Kyiv. I printed three t-shirts. One was for the Minister of Defense, one was for the Minister of Defense of Estonia, who he was meeting with. And then kind of as a joke, I printed one for the president. And when I gave Alexei Reznikov, the Minister of Defense, the one for the president, he said, oh yeah, sure, I'm seeing him later. Which again, I thought was like, yeah, you know, he's just gonna give it to one of his assistants and then the t-shirt will disappear. And then he messaged me maybe a a couple hours after that and said, Hey, I just want you to know the president has your t-shirt. And then like 10 minutes after that is when they they posted the TikTok. And that was a moment where it was very surreal to see that, obviously. So that was a really special moment for sure. I can imagine. Do you ever see people you don't know with St. Javelin merch around? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot. Yeah. Different events, but but also honestly, just just out in the streets that airport stuff like that sometimes you see it i always imagine that's like a good moment when you sort of see someone you definitely don't know just wearing something you've created i think that's a whole pinch me moment what were the major challenges because running an e-commerce store is is it's not 
it's easy to start, but it definitely has its challenges. What were your challenges that you had to overcome? Learning how to do it at this scale has been very difficult. Most of our attention was through organic. You know, people just found us because they heard about us or they became fans of our of our Instagram account or our Twitter account or something like that, or they read a news article about us. And now because the attention is shifting away, learning how to operate a, you know, a traditional e-commerce business is something that we are figuring out and um, incorporating things like ads uh, that basically power every other e-commerce business is something that now we have to look at and figure out, okay, how do we get good at like Facebook ads or, or Google ads or whatever it might be? Or is there like a different type of marketing or advertising that that you need to um, incorporate? So just evolving into something uh, different, something new, more efficient is is a challenge. So that our listeners have some context, can you share a, the peak of things? How many orders per month do you do approximately? There were days where, or maybe two days or something like that, where it was like a, around $100,000 in, in, in a day. But that was, yeah, that was like crazy, crazy, crazy peak. Orders wise, I'm not I honestly, I don't really even remember how many orders it was. It gives an idea of the scale that you had to handle at one point or other. The crazy part of the scale was was the number of countries. I think it was 107 or 117 countries we got orders from. So seeing a sticker, somebody sent me a picture from Mali, which is in Central Africa, and they sent us a picture of their order in Mali. And I was like, I have no idea how that even got there, but that's pretty amazing. It is amazing. It's obviously sad that uh, we're in such a situation in general, but it's uh, it's heartwarming to always see the the countries that come to aid and the people who are feeling for the people who are suffering. So it's um, a tiny ray of sunshine in all 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 that. What's something that you wish you'd known before you started the Saint Javelin store? One thing that probably would have been really helpful is is logistics like an understanding of things like VAT and duties and all of those kinds of things you take for granted, I guess. It seems like there should be a process, a system for everybody to follow that's very easy, but it actually turns out that when you're dealing with so many different countries and you know also manufacturing goods in Ukraine and stuff like that, and then shipping them to customers around the world, there's a lot of different things to take into account. So I wish I had a better understanding of logistics and operations like that, but it's just been a crash course, basically. Learning through experience. How did you handle any customer questions or complaints? Was it just you yourself and the volunteers answering and researching? Yeah, yeah. And then and then we have people full-time who do that stuff. And then I think we have help from Printful with with certain orders as well. So that's that's been super helpful. But yeah, at the beginning it was it was just volunteers. I know that a lot of packages would get um when we still really didn't know what we were doing, packages would get returned and sent back. And uh, for example, if an envelope was was filled with too many patches, the weight was too big and it wouldn't get shipped and then it would get returned and stuff like that. And then people would ask like, hey, where's my package? And you had to just figure those things out. But, um, but we've gotten much better at it for sure. So what are your future plans for St. Javelin? What are some of the things that you're looking forward to? This winter collection is is the biggest thing that we're looking forward to right now. And continuing to figure out how do we make this quality of clothing in Ukraine. And 
finding textiles, finding manufacturers, getting better at like the import, the shipping, all that kind of stuff. That's really important. Finding new campaign ideas, finding new collaboration ideas, stuff like that. Those are all things that we're going to continuously have to figure out and and, and work out. Right now, I think everybody's seeing a decline because of like recessionary fears and stuff like that. So basically just figuring out how do you build something sustainable for the long term is is the biggest focus for sure. You mentioned collaboration ideas. Did you have you already had any collaborations with people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had collaborations. Uh we did a collaboration with a media in Ukraine called Kiev Independent. They're a media that it came out of an out of a newspaper called Kiev Post and basically those journalists left, they created their own thing and they got very popular at the beginning of the war and at the beginning of the full-scale invasion. And we worked with them, I think it was earlier this year. So basically, they wanted to launch a collection and we knew how to launch a collection. Mm -hmm. And then we collaborated on it. We worked with the Ukrainian Railway as well. That was super cool because they invited us to work with them. And to get that kind of recognition was was really special. We Yeah, we've done we've done like a few smaller ones and 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 big ones like that. And lastly, how can our listeners support St. Javelin or get involved, volunteer, whatever? Where do they go? Where do they start? Just go to our website. Uh, everything's at stjavelin.com. You can follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter. We have a YouTube channel. Basically, you can find everything from the website. You can Google St. Javelin. You can read some of the old articles and stuff like that as well if you want to find out some more. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to our wonderful conversation with Christian from St. Javelin. If you want to support St. Javelin, see the episode description. You'll find all the necessary links and information there. And remember to tune in for the next episode of Ideas Fulfilled by Printful X Snowcomers. 